Shakespeare was young too. <laughs> August Wilson used to be a kid. Arthur Miller used to be a kid. We, we all used to be kids. I wish the world was just full of a bunch of young playwrights because they're so fresh and they always have such a unique perspective on who we are and who they are. And I feel as though oftentimes young people are voiceless. It's almost like we cut out their tongues and we don't listen to them. It's like, oh, 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 they're young. They don't know what they're talking about. I'm like, yes, they do. You know, they they experience this world in, in, in the barest way. Their skin is so vulnerable. They're so susceptible to everything and, and, and just so, they take in so much and I feel as though if we train them, if we give them the tools, you know, they can show us through their writing what we need to do in the future. I really, really love stories and I felt like every person had their own story, their own trajectory, they were like their own hero in their, in their own life. And so um, people just really, really, really turned me on. And as I grew up and I grew older, you know, I really stuck to journalism. I ended up going to um, Columbia University where um, I really wanted to be part of the drama program, but I would get into fights with the people in the drama program um, because I found that, um, unfortunately, they tended to cast the people of color in these very subservient roles. Um, and, you know, I was very, very much against that. And I ended up taking um, an acting class in the drama department. And um, I ended up asking my teacher, um, for a specific scene that had two young African-American women in it. And um, she had assigned um, uh, a scene in class, and so I decided with my scene partner, who was also young and black, that we were gonna do a scene for us. And the thing is, when we went to the library, there really wasn't anything for us. We kept on pulling plays off the shelves, continuously reading, you know, we were like, oh, maybe we can do something in Arthur Miller, maybe we can do The Crucible, but we can't really share the part of Tichaba, so what are we gonna do? So when we asked our teacher, you know, she stood there for 10 seconds, 20 seconds went by, 30 seconds went by, a whole minute went by, and she couldn't think of a play that had a scene for two young black women. So in that moment, I decided, I'm just gonna have to write them myself. And that particular moment in my own writing life was I think the crystallization moment where I decided this is going to be my life's work. I am going to try to put not only myself on stage, but like my ancestors, um, my mother, my father, my gods. I kinda wanna just see brownness on stage, black people on stage, and um, I, I wanna do that and continue that. I grew up in an extremely political household where my father, like that's how I learned how to read, is by reading the newspaper first in my father's lap. And my mother was a union worker, and so issues of um, black people, particularly having grown up in the South where, you know, when I was a kid, um, I've, I've been called nigger before, I've been called many, many different names, black bitch or, or whatever, and so I needed to, as a young person, be able to understand that and put that in the context so I wouldn't take it personally. And so, obviously, that those experiences have um, inspired my work and continue to inspire my work. I also like to write about things I want to learn about. For example, I have this play called Saturday Night, Sunday Morning, and it's set in a beauty shop slash boarding house um, at the end of World War II. And for some reason, like when I was looking through the history books, I really didn't know, you know, how 
black people contributed to that particular war. Um, I knew that it was at a time where a lot of black people didn't necessarily have their own rights, in the, particularly in the South. And so um, to set this play at the end of the World War II in 1945 and to see how these people were, you know, looking at this man, Hitler, and like he's the evil person and he's against equal rights, but really living in a place where they, was st they were still struggling to get that was an opportunity for me to look at the past, but also continue to look at the present because even though, obviously, as Americans, we've made many, many great strides. Um, still in the South, we're struggling. Like, for example, my mother, when they went to, my mother and my father, when they went to go um, vote for President Obama, um, a lot of people were very mean to them. My mother at work, you know, the day that he won, her boss came up to her and was like, you know what, you really can't smile too much. You really, really can't celebrate. You have to keep your happiness in because there's some tension on the job. My mother was like, what is going on? And it was because, you know, a lot of a lot of white people, unfortunately, in the South were very, very upset that Obama had got elected. There were people who were like running to their cars crying. And so, you know, I continue to examine issues of race, whether they be past or present or in the future, because I just know that the seeds of it are still growing. Sometimes, I don't know what the hell I wanna write about. Am I like, am I writing about myself? Am I writing about my family? What the hell am I writing about? I actually feel like every play is um, totally different. It's a struggle to write everything, absolutely everything. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm struggling with this play right now called What the Blood Clot, which is about um, this Upper East Side socialite who wakes up with a foreign accent syndrome, which is a real disease. And she wakes up with a Jamaican accent after a stroke. And I had no idea what the trajectory of this play was going to be. I just knew that I was going to start with this white woman who all of a sudden was speaking with a Jamaican accent and, and looking at identity and how identity is imposed on us and how, you know, people kind of um, decide who we are based on how we speak. Um, and I'm still working on that play. That play is still a struggle for me. I still don't know what the ending is. <laughs> but, you know, I have a, a starting point and I kind of go from there. I'm always surprised by what my characters say and do. And I kind of, you know, follow them. I always feel like I'm just watching them in the room. I'm like a fly on the wall. And I just want them to lead me into whatever um, scenario um, that they want to go into. I think because um, I'm an actor as well, I ha I tend to base them on real people just because I, I love people and I love to people watch. A lot of my characters are based on family members. I often um, take a family member's name or nickname and put it in each play that I write just because it grounds me and it makes me remember um, the dialect and how that, pe that person would speak and, and things that that person would say. You walk into my grandmother's house and there's like two pictures on the wall. There's Jesus and there's Dr. King. He is an American icon. He is a world icon. So, you know, your people, the people, everybody put great, they put great responsibility on you. But I weirdly just, I wasn't really afraid of trying to put him on stage and, and trying to base a character off of him because I knew so much that I wanted to create a king that no one had ever seen before. And no one knows how he was in private. Um, I just really wanted to give my own spin on how I thought he could be and not to do the, I have a dream king, but the king who was struggling to put together the poor people's campaign, um, the king who was 
you know, living in motel rooms for 80% of the time, who was really depressed because, you know, a young man had just recently been killed during one of his um, marches that he wanted so hard to be nonviolent. And so instead of thinking about this icon, I just was like, what man, what man would be able to, you know, move forward from a point like that? And it was really just about thinking about what he needed and what he wanted at that particular moment in time. There's a, a code switching that happens where sometimes when we're in front of a camera or we're in front of a particular audience, we speak in a certain way, but behind closed doors, you know, the colloquialisms of the South pop out. The, the accent gets a little slower. When you're sleepy, the, the Southern accent comes out a little bit more. <laughs> so I, was, I continue to think in, in those terms, like how um, this person would... Um, speak to themselves instead of um, in front of an audience. As a matter of fact, there's like this rap in one of in one of my plays and I'm like, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired of walking through the streets. And it's like, you know, it's a very specific um, dialect instead of streets, it's streets. Um, but it's, you know, original to this young girl in this play and I find myself just wanting to capture reality um, because I, I just want people to see something very honest and truthful on stage and that, you know, as playwrights, we weave worlds through using words. That's all we have are words, dialogue. You know, it's not like a film where, you know, we can cut back and forth and it's just visual and, you know, we have words. And I think it's just really important to be um, truthful to our characters and how they speak.